everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are talking about um, the book of Ezekiel, and uh, Ezekiel is a major prophet. And Ezekiel, um, man, he was, did everything. He went from a priest, um, and then God came to him and said, hey, I need you to be a prophet. Um, so his job role sort of changed a little bit, transitioned. Uh, and, and the role of a prophet was not an easy role to, to do. I mean, it was, it was tough. You had to go to people that, you know, didn't want to l- hear or listen to you. You know, like, I, I would assume for the most part, like, you show up and you're okay with me talking to you. Uh, but Ezekiel had to go to the people and they didn't want to hear anything from him. They didn't want him, him to talk at all. Uh, so that's a, that's a tough crowd. That's a tough deal to, to do. So uh, Ezekiel did that. He told him exactly what God wanted him to say. And sometimes Ezekiel had to like illustrate it, uh, do some very, very challenging things, hard things, um, d- just uh, also embarrassing things. Um, and then he had to even do a heartbreaking thing, which we're going to talk about at the very uh, last week. And, and hopefully that is going to be um, a challenge and an inspiration for you and for me um, as Ezekiel teaches us about something that he had to do that was very, very, very uh, heartbreaking. So uh, we actually picked it, uh, left off last week, and we were talking about the idea of, of, of this, and that is essentially moving away from transgressions or moving away from your sin, moving away from your bad decision-making, your poor choices, moving away from your transgressions, and moving towards transformation. And if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, that's essentially what you're in. You're in the middle of this transformation process that God has, has according to the scriptures, he has begun a good work in you. He has begun a good work in you. And last week we talked about how he's given us his divine power and he's placed that inside of us and so that we can have a new nature about us because as we already proved a few weeks ago that our human nature is not that great, right? It's not that great. Our natural bend is, 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 is not that great. And so we need something radically to change. And so, um, so we said that according to many, many different verses in the Bible, uh, that the idea of transformation sort of looks like this. This is a sad illustration of what it looks like. Uh, it starts with an, you know, egg or being, you know, born again. It starts with an egg, you know, and then, and then we grow into a caterpillar, right? And then, you know, then over time it eats a lot and then it goes into the chrysalis stage, the, you know, and then after a cer- certain amount of time, it breaks out of that chrysalis stage and it, and it becomes a beautiful, beautiful butterfly. And this is what you know, you remember from school, this is the process called metamorphosis, metamorphosis, metamorphosis. The idea is, is that is a transformation. There's a transformation that happens. And this is also true for us. There's a, there's a transformation that, that is taking place in your life. He's begun a good work in you. He's, the spirit of God is in you, that his divine power, his divine nature, and he's working out. And we said that if you you are, if your goals are not to try to become or, or your ambitions are not to become like Jesus, then you need to, you need to have, that needs to be your goal. You need to have the, this as your, as your goal to want to be like Jesus. And so we looked at a few different things last week and we asked the question, and here's an important question.
question that you, you can ask. What happens when God transforms his people? What happens when God transforms his people? And so we looked at Ezekiel 36. And Ezekiel 36 is some descriptions of what happens when God takes us, his people, if you're a Jesus follower, takes us through a transformation process, through the process of metamorphosis. So what happens when that, when that takes place? Well, if you were with us last week, I'll try to catch you up quickly. You have a new holy namesake. What, what does that mean? You have a new holy namesake. Well, what that means is, is that your life isn't about you. It's not about your name. It's not for the sake of your name, that your life becomes for the sake of the name of God or the name of Jesus. That's what your life becomes about. It's for his namesake, right? And, and, and a, an easy one, a sort of a softball toss to you was Psalm 23, right? When you read Psalm 23 and it looks like it's all about us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, still waters. He restores my soul. And then it says, for his name's sake. It's for his name's sake. So our life, somebody who is in the transformation process, that your life becomes about him. It becomes about his name, bringing glory and honor to his name. Okay? If you want more information on that, you can go back and listen to the sermon uh, from last week. Okay, another thing we said was, you get a new heart and a new spirit. You get a new heart and a new spirit. Remember, our natural heart, is, is deceitful. Our natural heart leads us to deception. Our natural heart leads us to poor decision-making, poor choices. He says, I've got a new heart for you. I'm going to place in a new heart and a new spirit in you. So your, what happened was, is that, uh, uh, you know, because of sin, that sin makes us dead and a sin, sin takes, takes our spirits and it, and it makes it dead. And then the spirit of God comes and it revives us. It brings us back to life again. So he says, I've got a new heart for you and I've got a new spirit for you. And you and I are in this transformation process. But I believe, I believe it's much, much better than that. I believe it's better, better than just getting wings like a butterfly or legs like a frog. That I believe that the transformation process, the metamorphosis process for us is so much more powerful than we can even imagine. And I hope that time allows for me to show you what I mean. Okay, so let me give you what does it look like what does it look like to be in the transformation process? What does it look like for a transformed people, a people in metamorphosis? Well, we said a new namesake, a new heart, and a new spirit. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. A new hate for all sin. A new hate for sin. It, it's not we justify it. It's not that we ignore it. It's not that we try to brush it under the rug. It's not that we say, well, you know, it's just how I am. It's just what I do. It's what I think. It's what I say. It's no, we hate it. We hate it. Where do we get that? Well, here's, we're going to pick it up in Ezekiel 36, where we left off last week. And then here's what he says. He says, then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that you were not good. And you will loathe yourself for your iniquities and your abominations. He goes on to say this in verse 32. It is not for your sake. Remember that? <laughs> it is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known 
to you. So what do we see? We see that God says, listen, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that you made bad decisions. You've made poor choices. You've done things that you're not proud of. Hey, just, just so that we all can be on the same page and feel comfortable. Is that true for everybody in this room just by a show of hands? You've done things that you're not proud of? Come on, raise your hand just so everybody can look around. Look around. Good. All right. Good. Thank you for participating. All right. All right. Thank you. Okay. We all have our, our, in that. So listen, here's what he, a transformed person or a person in the transformation process. They hate that. In, in, the, in the words of Ezekiel, they loathe it. They loathe it. He says, and, he says, and, and so Psalm, Psalm says it this way. And here's, as we sort of work through the solution to that, or how do we get to that place? He says, oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. Hate evil. So we have one side of the coin that says, love the Lord. And then the other side of the coin, hate evil. Love the Lord, hate evil. Okay. And then he says this, and um, he says, um, uh, ne next slide, if you could. He says, let, in Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. So here's love, love the Lord, hate evil. And then he says, but let your love be genuine. Okay. Not, we're not just faking it. We're not just pretending. We're not just acting like it. We're not just putting on a facade. You know, we're not just like going through the motions when it comes to, you know, our, our love for, for God and our love for others. He says, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. That word abhor means to hate, right? To be disgusted by. So he says, hate what is evil. Let your love be genuine. You hate what is evil. And then he says, hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to what is good. In other words, he's like, I want you to hate evil and I want you to hold on to good. Do you see it? I want you to hate evil and I want you to hate sin and I want you to hold on to what is good. And how do you hate evil or how do you get to a place where you hate your sin? Is that you got to hold on to the love of God, or you got to hold on to good. That, that, that idea of holding on means to adhere to, or to stick, or to stick. That same, those same two words are used in other parts of the scripture, and it describes marriage, right? It describes marriage. You've probably heard it this way, that when you get married, the Bible says, when the Bible talks about marriage in Genesis 2 and, and other places, it says, husbands, leave your, leave your father and your mother. And then you, if, you're, if you grew up in a tr translation or version that I grew up in, the next is cleave. Have you ever heard this? L leave and then cleave. Have you ever heard this phrase? Leave and then cleave. So leave your father and your mother and then you cleave unto your wife and you will, be, you will become one flesh. This is the way that the Bible describes marriage. That word cleave is the same word that they've now translated in the, in the version that I'm using today, ESV, it, is, is hold fast. It, it's, a, it's a bonding together. It's a sticking together. This past week, my wife and I celebrated our 19-year wedding anniversary. 19 years. Thank you. Thank you. She's a very lucky woman. She's a very... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. We so. 
I, 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 no, she, she's, she's, I always tell her, honey, like, this is literally, you're just stuck with me. Like, you're just, you got a whole, like, you, you, lit, you left your parents, sorry, you know, you got your cleave to me. You're just stuck with me, right? It, it's, a, it's the idea of holding fast. So I, I give you one example of, of what a uh, doofus I am. So uh, one particular Christmas, I was, um, uh, she was saying we were living uh, in a house that we didn't have a fireplace or a mantle and it was around Christmas time. And so she was like, oh, I really wish that we had some sort of, you know, mantle, you know, that we could hang, you know, the stockings along or whatever. And so I thought, I want to try to see if I can, you know, do something here about that. And so I, I found like this old like shelf that we got for our wedding. We had this and I buried it out of the basement, you know, that we got as a gift for our, on our wedding day. Okay. And we had this shelf and it was weighty. I mean, this thing had some weight to it. And so I'm thinking I'm going to mount that. Well, I didn't have any type of screws or anything or anchors or anything like to mount this. So I thought, you know what I have? I have some really strong industrial double-sided sticky tape. And I think, I thought, I, I just thought, I think I could put enough sticky tape on this thing and I can just put it on the back of that thing and I can just take that shelf and I can just mount it onto that wall and then we can hang all the stockings. And I told her this brilliant idea and she's like, it will never work. It will, I say, yeah, well, just trust me. I got this. I got this. So I put that double-sided sticky tape, that, you know, that super industrial size, strong sticky tape on this, you know, shelf. And I stuck it to the wall. And, and, it, and I walked, stood, stood back, and it's, I was like, I think this is going to be good. And then, and, then I, and then I started putting the nails on, thinking, oh, this is going to be good. Like, I, I've got, like, I can now hang, start hanging the stockings on there, you know? And, and so it, I get up on the wall. I've now got the stockings up on the shelf that sort of looks like a mantle just because I just want to try to bless my wife. And she's still sitting there going, it ain't going to hold. It ain't going to hold. It ain't going to hold. And sure enough, as one of those 37 times that she said, it ain't going to hold. And then it just fall. It took drywall with it and everything. It took paint. It took drywall with it. Like, and I just said, you're stuck with me. Like that ain't going to stick. But you're stuck with me. You're stuck with me. So listen, here's, here's the point. Here's the point. The point is, is that, is, is that idea is you, when you, when you, when you, if you're married, you, you are, you've, you've cleaved together. You've, you've, it's stuck together. God has bonded you together. Okay. And you hold on to that relationship. You hold on to that relationship. And you're saying, this is the relationship that I am. And I, I want and have for no other. I want for, and I have for no other. This is the idea that, that the scripture is teaching us when it comes to how to get to a place where we actually not justify our sin, not try to brush it under the rug, not try to pretend it isn't there, not try to say, you know, say, oh, it just is the way I am. No, no, no. He says, I want you to, I want you to hold fast. I want you to stick with me, God says. I want you to love me and I want that love to be genuine. And I want you to hate evil. I want you to hate sin. And I want you to hold fast to what 
is good. When you have a genuine love for God, here's what's going to happen. When you have a genuine love for God, that is a sticky relationship and you will literally hate sin. That's how it works. Now, I felt like this is oftentimes the way that I act or think or say what I say. So here's the way the Apostle Paul wrote it. Now, remember, the Apostle Paul was a, his, his past, talk about a checkered past, right? I mean, the Apostle Paul, he was associated with killing Christians. Like if you're in the room and, you're, and somebody dragged you to church today and you're like, I don't even like church. I don't even like Christians. First of all, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for not liking church. I don't blame you for not liking Christians. But listen, but you may hear, and listen, if somebody hated Christians, the Apostle Paul hated Christians. And then he met Jesus and it changed everything for him. It changed everything. But here's what the apostle Paul said. He says, I'm holding on to Jesus. I'm holding on to Jesus, but I'm in process process of hating my sin, but I'm in process. So for you and me to feel better about where we're at, we should read what the apostle Paul says about him, his himself, about himself. Look what he says. For I do not understand my own actions. Can anybody relate? <laughs> For I do not understand my own actions. I don't understand why I thought the double-sided sticky tape would work on that mantle, okay? I digress, okay. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He said, I don't understand my, I don't understand my own actions I, for I do what I want, but I, but I do the very thing I hate. He goes on to say this. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. And, and can, does anybody, does this make you feel a little better about the process that you're in? He says this. For I do not do the good that, I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on, it's what I keep on doing. And you feel this way. And he says this in verse 24, wretched man that I am. And he asked a great question. Who, who will deliver me from this body of death? Like, I, what, what a wretched person I am. Like, I, like who, like, I just, what I, I, I say things I wish I didn't say. I think things I wish I didn't think. I act in ways I wish I didn't act. And like, I, I know what it is, Paul's like, I know it's like, it's sin in me. But, but I'm like, I'm doing the very thing that I hate. I'm doing the very thing that I hate. And, I, and I'm a wretched man. And who's going who's gonna to deliver me from this body of death that sin is doing to me? And then he answers it for us. Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that good news for everybody? It's what we're singing, right? Amazing grace, right? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And how you get that? You get that by saying, Jesus, 
receiving his grace. And thanks be to God through Jesus our Lord. And he says, I want to hold on to him. Because when I hold on to him, I'm going to hate the thing that I hate doing all the time. When I hold on to him, I'm going to hate that thing that I wish I didn't do on a regular basis. Psalm 91 says it this way. Because he holds fast to me in love. Talking about the psalmist, he says, because he holds fast to me in love, God says, I will deliver him. Isn't that what Paul was saying? Who, who will deliver me? How will I be delivered? Well, the way that you're going to be delivered is when you hold fast, when you adhere to, when you stick with God. He says, he, he will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. So it's, you hold on to God and you'll hate evil. You with me? You hold on to God and you'll hate your sin. You'll hate your sin. How do you know you're in the transformation process? Because you'll begin to hate all sin. You don't hate the person. You know what we're so good at, by the way? We're so good at pointing out other people's sin, aren't we? You know what we hate? We hate our spouse's sin. We hate our kids' sin. We hate our coworkers' sin. We hate our boss's sin. We hate other people's sin. You know what Jesus said about that? He's like, you know what you're, you know what you're doing when you do that? When you point out and how much you hate somebody else's sin? You're pointing out a speck in their eye. But you know what you have in your own eye? A beam. A beam. So just like every other week, it's time for us to look in the mirror and to realize, hey, I'm going to stop pointing fingers at the speck in their eye and start looking at the beam in my own eye. And not to hate what they do or say, or live, but to begin hating how I'm living and holding on to my relationship that I have with the Lord. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. All right, let's move on. Next, next one. You have a new hope, a new hope inhabits your soul and oh, what others will see and say. I just had to put that in there. You're going to have a new, a new hope will inhabit your soul. And oh, say it with me. Oh, what others will see and say. Look what it says. Look what it says. Ezekiel 30, 36, 33. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. This is what God is doing. This is the metamorphosis process. This is what God wants to do in you, okay? Verse 34. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who pass by. He says, no longer... No longer people will see the desolation. Instead, people will see that there's some life happening, that there's a new hope taking place, that there's revival happening in that person's life, right? This is what people will, say, will see. And he goes on and says this. 
And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and the desolate and the ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Now, here's what he's saying to us, okay? Here's a new hope that will be inhabit your soul and all what people will see and say, okay? Here's what he's saying. That you will, and what happened is through the cross of Christ, that what was lost in the Garden of Eden. Are you familiar with the story of the Garden of Eden? That's when sin came into the world, right? That's when Adam and Eve decided to, 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 to disobey God and to take from the fruit of the tree that God told them not to take from. And they were deceived by the enemy. They were duped by the enemy to believe something about them that wasn't true. Is that is that? For anybody in here, okay, it happens to all of us, right? To believe something that isn't true, duped by the enemy, losing something that we had because we thought something was true and it wasn't. It was lost. And you know what was lost? A relationship with God was lost. It says that God walked with them in the coolness of the day, which, which means they had the presence of God with them all the time all the time. And you know what else was lost? Their innocence was lost. Their innocence was lost, okay? It even describes how this is they were naked and not ashamed. They were naked and not ashamed. And then when sin came into the world, what did they do? They went and hid to, to try to cover themselves. They try to cover themselves. What they felt is what oftentimes you and I feel when it comes to sin. We feel guilt and we feel shame. We feel guilt and we feel shame. What was lost was a relationship that they had with God. What was lost was their innocence. But you know what was regained on the cross of Christ? You know what was restored back to us on the cross of Christ? Our relationship that we can have with a loving, personal, amazing, almighty God. Isn't that incredible? We have now a relationship with God. We, have now, we are now heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. We have now access to the throne of God. We have access to his help and his grace and his mercy any time that we want. We are now, like we sung earlier, we are now children of God. You are his daughter. You are his son. That's what we are. So that was restored on the cross of Christ. You know what else was restored? You know what else was restored? Our innocence was restored. Our innocence was restored. You know what the enemy, who is known as the accuser, can, can, he has nothing on you. He, can, he cannot accuse you of anything. You know why? Because that sin that you committed was paid for. It was bought. 
And you, when, anytime you and I sin, we don't justify our sin. We hate our sin, but we are going to sin. And when we sin, we say, you know what? I feel that angst because I hurt a God that I'm in relationship with. I feel that pain because I hurt a God that I'm in relationship. I hate that sin but because I'm in a, a relationship with God that I'm holding on to. But listen, I'm not going to let the accuser come and tell me something about me that isn't true about me. He can try to guilt me. He can try to shame me. He can try to condemn me. But here's what I know. Paul says this in Romans 8, right after he was struggling with his own nature. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sin was paid for. Your shame is covered. Your guilt has been removed. When you put your faith in Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One day Jesus and his disciples were in a temple and they, the Pharisees knew that he was in there and he, they found some woman who was literally caught in the act of adultery. And they dragged this woman out of the house and they dragged her into the temple and they laid her down at the feet of Jesus. And you know the story. And they tell Jesus what this woman is doing. How, what she's done, what she's been doing, what she's, you know, how, how she's, you know, having an affair and this and going through all the details. And then Jesus gets down on his knees and begins writing something on the ground. The scripture doesn't tell us what he was writing. We can speculate a little that he was probably writing down all the sins of the guys that brought this woman into the temple courts. One by one, writing their names and writing down all the sins, writing it down into the dirt. Just conjecture. The, the scriptures don't tell us that, but we're just, just speculating. And it says that one by one, those, those men that brought that woman from the oldest to the youngest, the, the scripture gives us that detail. They walk away. They walk away. They walk away. And just young woman laying there, embarrassed, shamed, guilt. Jesus looks at her and says, is anyone here now to condemn you? And she looks around and she says, no, Lord. And then Jesus looks at her and says, neither do I condemn you. And this is also important to the story. You know what Jesus said next to her? Go and sin no more. You and I can know what it means for God to come in to our desolate, abandoned, uninhabited heart and revive it again for it to become a garden of Eve, Eden in our heart and soul. 
And when that happens, when that happens, oh, 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 what people will see and say. Because I I don't know about you, but man, do I have a checkered past? I got some of my kids in this room, my nephews, and I'm, so I'm not going to go into specifics. Because I don't want to give them any ideas. But you know that the accuser, I don't know if this is true for you, but this is true for me. Do you know that the accuser comes and reminds me of that? I, is that true for you? Uh, thank goodness. I thought I was by myself for a second. Okay. And the accuser comes and he just reminds me about like my past and my decisions and choices and poor things and the things that I say and the things that I think even, even still to this day, I'm still a work in progress. Anybody else still a work in progress? Good, good, good. Oh, good, good, good. Because you should be preaching, not me, if that's the case. And I just simply... And this, this is what I do, and, and you can do what you want to do, but maybe this would be a help to you. And, and, and this, this is sort of just, I don't know, this is just personal to me, but like, and maybe this won't make any sense. I hope it does. But when I was younger, uh, growing up and growing, going through school and college and things like that, I, I was rarely ever called by my first name. No one called me Chris. Oftentimes, and I think it's a part of, the, my last name, my family, but everybody called me Doke, Doke, Doke. So even when I talk to friends from 25, 30 years ago, hey, what's up, Doke? What's up, Doke? It's, and, and, and I'm, nowadays I'm used to hearing Pastor Chris, PC, or whatever. Like, but that I know who I'm talking to because they, they still refer to me as Doke, 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 Doke. And if you didn't know my last name, that's my last name, by the way. And I, and, I, and I just remind myself, I remind myself when the accuser comes and wants to remind me about when I was, when I was doke, if you can imagine. I say, doke, that doke guy died. That doke person, he died. And I'm a new creation. And old things have passed away. And all things have become new. And I'm not always proud of the things I say and do. But I hope that my life over the time in process, that God has working things out in me and that when I feel shamed or guilt or condemnation, I simply say, that guy is dead. He died. And that's the way the Apostle Paul says it in Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul says, you know, remember, and, and for Paul, it was Saul, right? Saul of Tarsus. 
So Paul would say, when the accuser would come and he would say, hey Saul, you remember when you persecuted Christians and you put Christians in jail and you it, it were associated with murdering Christians and you know all the you, you were prideful and angry and you were just full of rage all the time. Like, Paul, you remember, remember, remember that? And, 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 and the enemy and Paul would say, well, that was Saul and he died. He died. Because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Paul says. He says, I, verse 21, he says, I, I do not nullify the grace of God for his righteousness. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So Paul's going, listen, I'm, I'm a, I have a new hope that has inhabited my soul. And people have seen Saul die and Paul emerge. And I've been crucified with Christ. And the life that I once lived in the flesh, I now live by faith in, the G, in Jesus who loved me and died for me. You have a new hope. And when you have that, man, oh, come on with me. Oh, what people will say and see, right? I don't know why I write these things. I don't know. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. You get, a, there's a new house of God will increase, it will increase with spiritual sacrifices. A new house of God will increase with spiritual sacrifices. Let's go to Ezekiel 36. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the... the, the, the let me... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock. Verse 38. Like the flock... For sacrifices, like the flock of Jerusalem during their appointed feasts, so shall the waste cities be filled with the flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So what he's saying here is, is this, is that he's describing what happens when people come in for the feasts and the festivals. And when they came in at that time, in the old covenant, old covenant, good thing we don't live in the old covenant. When they come, came in, they would bring their, their animals, they would bring their lambs, and they would bring them to be slaughtered. They would bring them for sacrifices. And they would bring them in, and if the, the cities were full, and it was full of people, and they would bring in their animals, those animals to be sacrificed. And they would offer those animals as their atonement, as their atonement. Well, what Jesus has done is he was the one and final sacrifice for all of us. So good news is we now are in the new covenant. And, and if we were in the old covenant, church would be messy. Church would be messy. If we were in the old covenant, you would bring in your animals. My OCD would go nuts. There would be blood everywhere. Our carpet bill would be extreme. Okay, it would just be too much. So, so good thing we're in the new covenant because Jesus paid the sacrifice once and for all. So there's no longer need for animal sacrifices. But it doesn't mean that there isn't need for sacrifice. It doesn't need, mean that the, that the idea of spiritual sacrifices are over. It's just much better now. 
It's much better now. Here's what Peter says about it. He says, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. He's describing all of us, each individual, as a stone, and we're together, we're being built up together as a spiritual house. What does he say next? To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, what are those? If we're living stones being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God, what are those? Well, the Hebrew writer tells us a couple of them. Are you ready? Here's one. Through him, then, let us continually offer up, here it is, a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So one of the sacrifices that are, we are to do, spiritual sacrifices that we are to do as a holy priesthood, as living stones building up the spiritual house, we are to offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his great name. Amen. And so we, 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 we tell him, we tell him how amazing. God, you are incredible. God, you are awesome. God, you are the first and the last. God, you are the true vine. God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, you are my redeemer. God, you are my friend. God, you are in control. God, you are the sustainer. You're the maker. You're the one that puts breath in my lungs. Listen, anybody praising God? Anybody right now? Because we are to come in as a part of our spiritual sacrifice to give acknowledgement to his name. God, everything that I do, everywhere that I go, I acknowledge his name. God, I thank you for this provision. God, I thank you for this protection. God, I thank you for allowing me to be able to go here, do that, or say this, or see this. It's all about making that continual offer of sacrifice every single day. Isn't that way better than bringing in a lamb to be slaughtered? <laughs> it's way better. Not only that, but he, he gives us another one in Hebrews. And do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Right? So it's, it's, the, it's the praising and acknowledging his name, but it's also doing good. It's also sharing what you have. And God will say, yeah, these are, the, these are what makes me happy. These are the sacrifices that, are, that I accept. These are the sacrifices that are pleasing to me. Boy, when the when the living stones come together and they're building up a spiritual house, how awesome is that? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, this, listen, you know who the greatest person is? You want to know who the great, greatest person is? Jesus said, you know who the greatest is? Greatest is the servant of all. The greatest of all is the servant of all. 
You know how awesome it was, like just a few weeks ago at our adventure week, when, when we had this hosted and invited all these kids to come, you know, to, to the community center, and we invited them all in, and each one of you, some of you had a part, had a place in, 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 in it, and you participated. How awesome was that? Like some people were over on this side of the building, some people were over on that side of the building, some people were outside of the building. And, you know, it was just amazing to be able to come together as a body and to be able to serve serve people. And you're like, well, that was a sacrifice. Yes! Did it feel like a sacrifice? Yes! I had the privilege that I was like in this gym and I'm like hanging out with like teenagers as they're writing like the next episode for Star Wars to be produced by, you know, George Lucas himself, you know, and they're like writing and they did, they did like an awesome job. They did an amazing job like writing these skits for these kids at the end of the uh, end of the night so these kids can come and have some fun, but also maybe get some sort of lesson by it. How cool was that? I mean, these are the kids that are just writing what they know about Star Wars into a sketch so that kids can be entertained by it and they can laugh by it. What was that about? Was that a sacrifice for me? Yes! These teenagers, man, they were like, I'm like beating my head up against the wall some days. Like I'm going, oh my gosh. And, like, and then the, like, it was just the, 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 but the, but the, they did such an amazing job with it. But was it a sacrifice? Sure. Yeah, you had to get, you had to come from work. You had to show up to the community center. We try to give you a meal to try to make it as easy for you as possible. But you know that took people to prepare that meal? And they wanted to make sure that you had a meal that you could come so that it would be as easy for you as possible. And then you went and did your assigned job. And some of you were assigned to just groups of kids. Like I had the best job, the easiest job. I just taught the Bible. Everybody else did the hardest work, you know. They were like walking around, traveling with kids all around. Was it a sacrifice? Yes. Was it pleasing to God? Yes. It's why we have Team Connect. It's why we want you to come next week. And if you're not a part of a team, we want you to get on a team. Why? Because, because if you're in transformation, if you're in transformation, you should want to serve. You should want to be a part of a team. You're like, well, I don't have the time for that. I don't have the energy for that. I don't, have, I don't know. Like, you're, you're talking about making me, you know, love changing diapers. I don't love changing diapers. You don't have to change diapers. But do something. Do something. Do something. Why? Because if you're truly in spiritual transformation... Part of your spiritual sacrifice is to praise and acknowledge his name, which we all should be able to do that, no problem. But also not to neglect to do good and to share what you have because these sacrifices are pleasing to God. They're pleasing to God. Listen. You and I, if you know Jesus, 
and he's begun a good work in you, you're in this metamorphosis process, but it's so much better, like I said, than getting legs or getting wings. If you know Jesus, your circumstance and your situation before you knew Jesus was much more dire than that. That you were dead, you were dead. And if you read Ezekiel 37, you'll see that God brought Ezekiel to this valley, this desert valley, and he, and, and he looks out and, and he, says, he says to Ezekiel, and he, as he's looking out, he says, hey, Ezekiel, do you think that all of these dead, dry bones, do you think that they can live? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says this in, in Ezekiel 37 verse 4, it says this, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And so he's going, listen, listen, listen. Can these bones live again? These are a valley of dry bones. Can they live again? And he says, I want you to prophesy over these bones. I want you to speak over these bones, bones and say, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And then he says in verse 9, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And you know what happened? They did. Ezekiel speaks, Hear the word of the Lord, breathe on these dry bones. And all of a sudden, God takes these dry bones in this valley and he brings them all together. He brings bone to bone, you know, sinew, ligaments, tendons, all together, flesh on them. And God does a work. And this is the picture of what God has done for you and me. That we were dead. We were dry bones. And now he's bringing us out into, and look what it says. Look what it says next. He says, so, verse 10. So I prophesied and he commanded me and the breath came in them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. This is the work that God has done for you. He's done it for you. And if you don't know that yet, if you haven't experienced that yet, that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to take your dry boned life and heart and he wants to revive it for you to be able to live and to stand on your feet as an exceedingly great army for God. And then you'll, you'll, you'll discover verse 13, Verse 13, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, oh my people. He, he's he's going to take you out of the valley of dry bones, give you new life, cause you to stand, and then one day when you take your last breath here on this earth, the grave, your grave will open up and you will raise out of your grave and you will step into eternity. 
He says in verse 14, he says, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. And we're gonna talk about that next week. Then you shall know that I am the Lord and I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. So as we conclude, here's what I want you to do. Because your story, your transformation, your redemption is so much better than a caterpillar to a butterfly. Your story is, I was those bones in that valley and God brought life to, it, to me and I am now standing as a person who is an exceedingly great army for God. That's your story in Christ Jesus. Anybody believe that? Okay. Good. I want everybody to stand. Okay? I want everybody to stand. And I want you to make a pledge or a prayer to yourself right now. Come on. Let's, let's, let's take this moment Let's take this experience and let's own it. Let's own it for ourselves. Let's, let's realize right here, right now, where we're standing, that we are an exceedingly great army for God. The accuser can come and you can say, you can accuse me all you want, but that, that person died and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That person is no longer in that valley of dry bones. I am now brought back to life again. And one day I will step out of my grave and I will rise up and I will be with the Lord forever in a place that he has prepared for me. If that, is that true of anybody here? Is that true of anybody here? Good. Good. So I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Okay, I want you to look up at the screen. And I want you to own this for yourself. And I want you to speak this into your life. And I want you to say, you know what? My spiritual life is dry. My faith is dry. My heart is hard. And I need it soft. I need a new heart. I need a new spirit. I want to hate my sin. I want there to be a new hope in my soul that when people see it, they see the change. And I want, me, I want to be a new house of God that I'm offering spiritual sacrifices for God. Come on, if you're watching from home, you can join in with us this morning right where you're at, right where you're standing. If you're watching from home, stand up with us if you, as if you're, you were once in that valley of dry bones, but now you're a great army for God. So say this with me. Say it with me. Oh, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Oh, breath of God, breathe on me that I may live. You can do it better than that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's conviction. Mean it. This is a reality. Are you ready? Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, breath of God. Breathe on me that I may live. Awesome. Awesome.
This is true for you. I want you to live that way. Live that way. Live that way. Father, we come to you. We come to you, Lord, in just a dry, weary, desolate place in our life. Discouraged, some of us. Heartbroken. At a loss. Feeling pain. And God, we just need your word. To hear from your word. Because that's what my, my dry spiritual life needs. I just need to hear from your word. God, I, I, just, I, I need your breath. I need your spirit, your breath to breathe, breathe on me. To take me out of that valley that I'm walking through. Maybe for some of it's that walking through that valley of the shadow of death. But we're not going to fear any evil because we're going to know that you're with us. And you're going to breathe life into us so that we can truly know what it means to live. To live. It's for your name's sake. It's for your name's sake. It's for the sake that we need a new heart and a new spirit. It's so that we can hold on to our love for you and therefore hate the sin that we continually do. It's so that we can know that there's a new hope that will inhabit our soul. And when that happens, oh, oh, what people will see and say. And that you are building up a new house, a new house of spiritual sacrifice that is happening in our midst. God, we thank you for that transformation from death to life, from darkness to light, out of the valley and standing together as an exceedingly great army on the march for your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. You are not going to want to miss next week. It is going to be incredible. Come on back. See you soon. If you need prayer, come on up.